Welcome to a Biblical Perspective Podcast, where God's point of view matters. I'm your host, Prophet C.T. Johnson. This podcast is designed to expand you beyond the mind's cultural and theological limitations about the Bible and what it teaches. Prepare for the challenge of becoming a critical thinker, analyzing life from God's perspective. Boldly and unapologetically, I'll address the ills and issues of our day using scripture as the frame of reference. Get ready to empower your thinking and change your life. Now, let's hear what God has to say. Well, greetings, family. Welcome to another episode of A Biblical Perspective. I am your host, Prophet C.T. Johnson, and today's perspective topic is don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? Have you ever uttered those words to someone who was condemning you, as it were, and you became enraged, indignant, upset, and your response to them was, who are you? Who do you think you are to judge, to condemn me? Only God can judge me. Have you ever said that to someone who was judging you, so you thought, and you said again, enraged. Who are you? Only God can judge me. Well, is that a true statement? Not true based upon culture, not true based upon secularism, not your truth, but is that statement only God can judge me? Is it scriptural? Is it biblical? So we're about to dive in to today's perspective topic. Don't judge me. And we're going to dissect judgment, what it means to judge from God's perspective. Grab your Bibles, grab your note-taking devices or paper and pencil, because we're about to get into it right after this. Well, hello there. This is Prophet C.T. Johnson inviting you to become a high-level kingdom thinker operating and functioning according to eternity's intelligence by becoming a part of my Empowerment Chamber. The Empowerment Chamber is an exclusive online training and mentorship community committed to developing cerebral kingdom citizens capable of executing the will of Jesus Christ with intellectual excellence in their respective places of ministry. For a small investment of $5 or $12 a month, you can join the inquirer or cerebral level and begin developing into a cerebral kingdom citizen for the Lord Jesus Christ. Sign up today by going to patreon.com slash the empowerment chamber and let's embark on the journey of empowering our thinking together. I'll see you in the chamber. Well, family, I want to thank you for your support and your listenership. I am so appreciative to you for listening and supporting a biblical perspective. If you are not following me on Instagram, why not join me on Instagram? My Instagram handle has changed. It is now profit CT underscore Johnson. So follow me on Instagram and of course rate the podcast. 
First, subscribe. If you have not subscribed to A Biblical Perspective, again, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and then rate us. Give us a five star rating and drop a comment in the area when you rate the podcast, because all of that helps with our algorithm. And I thank you in advance. All right. Today's perspective topic. Don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? All of us, I would venture to say, we have uttered those words sometime in our life. And we are especially within the church of today. This statement is one that is used Multiple times is used consistently when people feel as though they are being judged. And so I want us to enter into the etymological understanding and meaning of what judgment actually is. Because when most make that statement, don't judge me. In essence, they're saying, don't condemn me. Or when they say, who are you to judge me? They're saying, in essence, who are you to condemn me? And so, unfortunately, what we have done is we have used the words judge, judgment, and condemn to condemn or condemning or condemnation, let me say it that way. We have used the words judge, judgment, condemn, and condemnation interchangeably, synonymously. And they actually don't mean the same thing. Now, depending on the context of the situation, the context of the circumstance, you might be able to utilize those words interchangeably, but there are distinct meanings and distinct differences in meaning. I should say there are distinct differences in meaning regarding the word judge, judgment, condemn, condemnation. So what does it actually mean to judge? Etymologically, what is the meaning of the word judge? All right. Well, 12th century judge in verb form from Adam online. It means to examine, to appraise, make a diagnosis. Now, that's interesting because to make a diagnosis is not only from the medical and or the scientific perspective, but it also to make a diagnosis also means to discern and or to distinguish. Okay. So right out the gate, we are entering into a broader understanding, a broader comprehension of what the word judge actually means we have relegated the meaning of the word 
judge to condemning and or, and or condemnation. And again, when people make the statement, don't judge me, who are you to judge me? Only God can judge me. They're really saying, who are you to condemn me? Only God can condemn me. You don't have the authority. You aren't in the position required to condemn. And in actuality, they are right. But as I have already shared with you, the word condemn and or condemnation isn't necessarily synonymous with the word judge or judgment. So let's go further in our etymology, shall we? Judge also means to conform an opinion about. And all of us, catch this, all of us are judgmental in that regard. All of us have opinions about everything. And there is nothing sinful as it pertains to possessing an opinion and or even even sharing or conversing your opinion or having conversation pertaining to what it is you have an opinion of. And so to form an opinion about that's also the etymological meaning of the word judge. Now, as we go further to judge also etymologically, it means to inflict penalty upon and or punish. And that's where we get hung up because again, many people are narrow in their comprehension, in their understanding of what it means to judge. And so when people are examining their life, their lifestyle and or appraising the circumstance and of the situation that surrounds them when they are discerning and or distinguishing between what is happening, transpiring, what they're experiencing, their interactions with an individual. Because again, people are one tracked in their understanding and comprehension of what it means to judge. They jump right to the more common definition, and that is to punish or to inflict penalty upon. And so in that instance, no one outside of God has the authority, has the right to inflict penalty or punishment upon as it pertains to your eternal existence. And I want you to get that. I want you to really let what I just said sink in because judge means to inflict penalty upon and or to punish. And in our society and in our country, in the United States, we have a judicial system. 
we have a system that has been established to inflict penalty upon and or punishment upon those who what break the law. Those who decide to go against what our laws, what our government rather has legislated as law as it pertains to violating the rights of others, there is a penalty. You will be arrested. You just can't go up to anyone and assault them. There are criminal charges. Criminal charges are brought against those who murder, who steal, who rape, who abuse. And so again, we can no longer allow the culture, secularism to redefine the origin of words because the truth be told, God is not the only one that has the right or is in the position of authority to judge from the standpoint of inflicting penalty upon and or punishment. Now, He's the only one that can do that again as it pertains to your eternal existence based upon the decisions and or the lack thereof that we make concerning him. However, in this earth realm, there are laws, there are do's and don'ts that have been established by our judicial system. And if you do, in other words, comply with the laws that have been legislated, then you are good to go. But if you don't, if you violate those laws, if you break those laws, the speeding, the speed limit, the speed limit. If you break the speed limit, then the sheriff, the police department that has jurisdiction in the area in which you broke the speed limit. They have the right. They reserve the right. They have the authority to inflict penalty upon you and or punishment, whether that's paying a fine, whether that's showing up in court, pleading your case before the judge, giving you a ticket. So, to inform an opinion about that's one of the etymological meanings of judge, but also to inflict penalty and or punishment upon. And the last I want to examine here is make a decision to judge is to make a decision. And so let me help us for all of you who ignorantly say, I'm not judgmental. That's not true. Or to say, I don't judge. Yes, you do. Every day we are afforded the opportunity by God to wake up. You and I make judgment calls. We make decisions. You made the decision to listen to today's episode. You made a judgment call as it pertains to listening to a biblical perspective. When you received that notification, 
through your phone or through your electronic device, wherever you listen to the podcast, you made a decision to listen. You made a decision to wear the color shirt that you're wearing today. You made the decision to have cereal for breakfast or to have bacon and eggs. So to judge means to make a decision. It means to decide on something. It means to think or suppose. And so I want us to understand that there is more than one meaning to the word judge. And so now that we have established this understanding, let's go further and find out from God's perspective, is he in alignment with judgment and or judging here in our earth realm uh, is it is God for judgment is God for judging general let's talk general for a moment generally speaking well again to judge recap examine appraise make a diagnose make a diagnosis discerning distinguishing to form an opinion about it also means to inflict penalty upon and or punishment to make a decision, decide, think, or suppose. Well, of course, when you understand what it means to judge, I think we all would agree that God is not against judging because of what it means. Now, it depends on the circumstance, the situation depends on what is going on. That will determine the type of judgment, the level of judgment, the severity of judgment. But what I want us to understand is that possessing the ability to rightly judge Rightly examine, rightly discern, rightly distinguish is beneficial. But most of us, we judge according to feelings. In other words, we make appraisals. We form opinions. We make decisions based upon errant information, based upon erroneous information, based upon how we feel in the moment we don't take the time to properly assess judge because assess is a synonym for the word judge. We don't take the time to properly assess. We don't do our homework. We don't do due diligence. We make a decision off a whim. We make a decision off the cuff. Many of you, unfortunately, you married someone that you did not properly vet. You didn't take that person to the Lord in prayer. You did not discuss it with God. You did not have conversation with God. You did not peel back the layers of that onion. And now you are suffering the consequences of bad 
judgment. So, is Jesus down for judging? Because again, back to my opening statement that many have made, I've made it, I've said it in my ignorance early on in my Christian walk. Who are you to judge me? After all, Jesus said, judge not. Did he not? (laughs) Jesus said that we are not supposed to judge. And in my 30 years, this December of ministry, having pastored, counseled, I have heard people ignorantly, but boldly (laughs) make this statement. Well, prophet, who are you to judge me? Only God can judge because Jesus himself said, judge not. And when you actually read and study, not just take a excerpt out of Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5, where Jesus actually utters the words, judge not. There's context behind it. But most people who use scripture to validate or to preface, support their opinion, they are they use it out of context and they don't have right understanding of the totality of Jesus's statement. And so in actuality, Jesus was not saying in the statement, judge not that he was anti judging or anti judgment that he was against us judging that he was against us judging each other because that's another incorrect interpretation of Matthew seven. Well, Jesus says that we are not to judge one another. No, he did not. Jesus did not say that. You don't believe me? Well, let's read it. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to the book. Let's go to the Bible. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. King James, New King James. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, let's stop there. Verse 1. Judge not, comma, not period. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. In other words, he's letting you know, don't judge others. Don't form an opinion concerning others as it pertains to their livelihood, as it pertains to their lifestyle, as it pertains to their choices don't make a decision or don't examine their life don't appraise their life don't initiate a diagnostic test concerning their life unless you are willing yourself to be judged accordingly Judge not that ye be not judged. He says, so if you are willing to 
assess, examine and appraise others, then expect them to do the same unto you. Judge not that ye be not judged. Verse two, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You reap what you sow, in other words. So Jesus is not saying that one, he is against us judging each other, that he is not for us assessing relationships, in other words. When you are presented with an opportunity to connect with someone, to enter into relationship with them, to bring them into your personal space and vice versa, you should judge that person. You should assess whether or not this person, their belief system, their ideology, their their concepts are in alignment with yours, their convictions, their, their, their faith, uh, and, and array of other elements. You need to righteously, and we'll deal with that term in a moment, righteously judge and assess whether or not you and that person are compatible. And I'm not, speaking only or solely as it pertains to marital relationship. I'm talking about relationships in general. I'm talking about business relationship, business ventures and things of that nature. You just, if you have good sense, you just don't jump in a relationship with anyone, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a partnership business wise, it does not matter. If you have good sense, you assess everything and everyone that's connected to this opportunity of us fusing our lives together, joining our lives together, fusing our businesses together, fusing, joining our finances, our resources together. So Jesus says, again, Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5, we're still in verse 2, but he says, for what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Okay? So the same measuring tool you use to judge someone else is the same measuring tool that's going to be used to judge you. Verse 3, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? So now Jesus is progressing in his dialogue, in his conversation here, he says, obviously, context or text in context, Jesus is saying that he supports assessing, judging of others, but there is criteria. There's criteria. There's criteria to assessing. There's criteria to forming an opinion about people, brothers, sisters, okay, in the Lord. 
your neighbor. There's criteria. And Jesus is giving us the criteria for judging. He's giving us the criteria for assessing. And he says that you don't have the right. Why? Because you're not in a position to discern properly or to be fair in your assessment pertaining to your brother and or sister because you are guilty, sir, ma'am, of the very thing you are critiquing them about. That's called hypocrisy. That's called self-righteousness. And that's what Jesus is addressing here in verse three. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? And then in verse three, Jesus is actually distinguishing between what you have going on that is of more concern than what you are judging your brother and or your sister or someone else about. He says you are ignoring the plank, the beam, the King James says, in your eye, but you are so in tune and so engulfed about the speck of dust in your brother's eye. Now, if you have ever been a victim of getting dust in your eye, you know that as small as a speck of dust is, it will irritate your cornea. It will irritate your pupil. It will irritate every aspect of your eye until you get it out. If you've ever gotten an eyelash caught in your eye, it hurts. It's painful. But on the flip side, have you ever been hit in the eye by someone's fist? Have you ever been hit in the eye by a two by four? That hurts more and causes greater damage than getting a speck of dust or an eyelash caught in your eye. And so Jesus is breaking this thing down here for us. Okay. And I'm breaking it down to redact and extract the excuse from some of you that Jesus said we are not to judge each other. Jesus never said that. He never said that. There was no period behind judge not that ye be judged. Judge not, comma, that you be not judged. Jesus is laying down the criteria. And again, in verse three, he rolls out the specificities, the details of the criteria as it pertains to judging. Verse four, let's finish up Matthew seven, one through five. Verse four, or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. Verse five, hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly. See, your vision is is impaired. Here you are trying to assess someone's life 
And what you are assessing them on is the very same thing that you're jacked up concerning. You're assessing them, you're critiquing them, you're forming an opinion about them, about their smoking cigarettes when you smoke marijuana. (laughs) You are critiquing them as it pertains to their lascivious lifestyle when you are doing the same thing. Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the plank from your brother's eye. In other words, when we assess one another, we need to ensure that our lives are not under scrutiny, that 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 we are not in a position of reproach that we are not uh, condemning, punishing someone, that we're not afflicting, inflicting a penalty upon someone for the very same thing that we're doing. That's when you enter into hypocrisy. All right? That's when you enter into hypocrisy. And so, again, Jesus gives criteria for judging. And we have brought you into the understanding, the totality, etymologically, of what it means to judge. Because the truth be told, you who ascribe to that erroneous, errant teaching that we're not to judge anybody, that only God can judge us. That's not true because you are judged by your employer. Employers, companies have appraisals. They have um, progress reports in regards to your duty, your responsibilities, in regards to your position, in regards to what they are paying you to do in the military, in the Air Force in particular, we have what's called an EPR, an annual EPR, which stands for EPR stands for enlisted performance report. So annually, my senior NCO, and not only annually, but really um Every six months before we get to the annual EPR, we have what's called a feedback. And the feedback is a verbal one-on-one with you and your supervisor. And what is that one-on-one? What is that feedback all about? It's about judgment. (laughs) It's about them judging you, them assessing you. And then the annual EPR, the Enlisted Performance Report, is again them judging. Listen, newsflash, in our school system, what do you think a report card does? A report card and a progress report when I was coming up, it is a way for your teacher to assess your work, to assess your progress, to assess your learning experience. Are you retaining the information? Are you returning Rather, retaining the subject matter. 
Are you understanding? Are you comprehending? Are you digesting this material? Can you regurgitate this material? So for all of you who are against being judged, then you need to get off the planet. And let me help you. If you're a parent, you judge your children. If you are parenting properly, you assess them. Hmm? Oh, this is good here. Don't you? You appraise them and you inflict penalty upon them and or you punish them when they go against the rules of the house. Don't you? And if you are, again, a good parent, you teach your children how to properly judge, how to make right decisions, how to think and process through opportunities, how to think and process through dilemmas and circumstances and situations. So see, we have really messed up in the church community. We really messed it up within Christianity as it pertains to this. Don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? No. My position Depending on what it is, depending on the level, my position warrants from time to time, periodic, intermittent judgment, and or throughout the entire supervisory process, role and responsibilities. Again, as a parent, as an educator, we have the responsibility to judge and Jesus in Matthew seven gives the criteria or I should say he in Matthew seven, it is the criteria, but uh, it's not the sole criteria, but Jesus, cause we're going to look at some other scriptures here where Paul talks to us, where James talks to us. So again, there are a variety of, of criteria there, 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 there's a, there, there's a variety of criteria for judging depending upon the circumstance and or the situation. Now we opened up something when we closed out Matthew seven in verse five, where Jesus says you hypocrite. So I want to talk about hypocritical judgment. Let's look at Romans two verses one through three. The apostle Paul talks to us here. And he says, therefore, have no excuse or defense or justification. O man, whoever you are, this is New King James, who judges and condemns another. Okay. For imposing as judge and passing sentence on another, you condemn yourself. Listen to this. Because you who judge are habitually practicing the very same thing that you censure and denounce. Now you all forgive me. I think this is, I said new King James, but I think this version I'm reading from is actually the amplified Bible. Let me double check here because I didn't annotate on my PDF notes and I'm going to, uh, well, I'll do it now. Um, for those of you listening, make sure that you 
in the show notes. There is a link in the show in the show notes where you can receive a copy of uh, the PDF notes that I am teaching from. All right. And so I just want to make sure that I have the right. I'm quoting unto you the right version. So if you hear some pages in the background, that's my paper Bible because I'm paper Bible saved. You need an electronic rather. Uh, you need a hardback, hard copy paper Bible as well. Uh, those of you who only have an electronic Bible, you need to upgrade. All right. That's a side sidebar. But um, yes, this is the Amplified Bible, the Amplified Classic Edition, which is the more reliable version of the Amplified. So what I just read out of Romans 2 verses 1 is the Amplified Bible, the Amplified. Okay, so let me recap or reread. Therefore, you have no excuse. Paul says, you have no excuse or defense or justification. Oh, man, whoever you are who judges and condemns another for imposing as judge and passing sentence on another, you condemn yourself. Why? Why do you condemn yourself? You're not condemned solely because you judge someone. You're not condemned. There will not you. You won't be punished. Solely because you assessed, you discerned, you gave an opinion about someone else. No, that's not why you're being punished. You're being punished because you did it as Jesus talked about Matthew seven. You're doing it because you operated in the spirit of hypocrisy. You don't have the right to correct someone. In regards to something, catch this, that you yourself have not made correction in. Now, Paul is not saying that you can't correct someone for something that you have done because all have sinned and fallen short. So there's going to come a time when all of us are correcting, when we're judging, when we're forming an opinion, when we're assessing as it pertains to something that we may have done past tense. If you did it, that's one thing. However, if you're still doing it, that's where we have the problem. And how many people have the audacity to form an opinion and get on social media and express that opinion about a circumstance, a situation, an individual, and you yourself with your hypocritical self have not made the corrections that you are endeavoring to correct someone else on. That's what Paul is talking about. And Paul says for that, you're going to be condemned you're going to be judged because you habitually, you are still doing it. You never stop doing it. You habitually practice the very same thing that you censure, that you denounce. You're denouncing it and you're censoring it publicly, verbally, but in the back, in the booth, in the closet, in the dark, 
you are still participating in it. Verse two. But we know that the judgment, adverse verdict, sentence of God, listen to this, falls justly. See, that's another prerequisite for judging. Judging justly, not judging biasly, not judging hypocritically, not judging sentimentally, but or emotionally judging justly. He says, we know that God's judgment, the judgment of God, the adverse verdict, the sentencing of God falls justly and in accordance with truth. Now I could do a whole podcast on that whole episode accordance with truth, not with lies and fallacy and philosophy, but with truth upon those who practice such things. So he says, if you don't get your act together, then you are setting yourself up. You're positioning and posturing yourself to be the benefactor of God's just judgment. That's in accordance to his truth because of you refusing to change, but have the audacity to talk to someone else about making a change that you yourself refuse to make. Let's close Romans two verse three. And do you think or imagine, O man, when you judge and condemn those who practice such things and yet do them yourself that you will escape God's judgment and elude his sentence and adverse verdict. Don't think, that you will because you won't because God's judgment is just. Okay. So we have received Jesus's perspective on judging. We have received the apostle Paul's perspective and it's all from a biblical perspective. Now let's look at another apostle, his perspective. And this is why we must rightly divide the word, because when you wrongly divide it, it seems as though that there is contradiction among scriptures, authoring mantles, the apostles and the prophets. And there is not. Okay, we've already in our teaching thus far, we see that Jesus and Paul, they are in alignment, they are in agreement And now let's look at James. Does James agree or disagree with Jesus? Because in James chapter four, verses 11 through 12, it can appear that James does not agree. What does it say in James 4, 11 through 12? New King James, do not speak evil of one another. Brethren, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save, to destroy. Who are you to judge another? So see, there are some who read that passage of scripture and extracted those two verses out of James four and came back and said, who are you to judge? Cause the Bible says, you know how we get to preaching. 
when we think we got a revelation and we're wrong, you don't have a revelation. You have misinformation and people come back. The Bible says judge not. Well, no, 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 no. This is why it's crucial for you to do your homework in regards to your translation, because there is an attack, a satanic attack out on the scriptures. There's an attack, a satanic attack to literally change, to alter, to defame, to destroy the word of God. Because there are other versions that mistranslated the word, the words speak evil. The New King James says, and even uh, King James, let me, the King James says, speak not evil. And the King James, I'm sorry, King James says, speak not evil. New King James says the same thing. It just says, do not speak evil in verse 11. New King James says, do not speak evil. King James says, speak not evil. So the point is, the word here is evil, but other translations have translated the word evil to judge. And that's not what the the writer originally stated because again in verse 11 let's look at it verse 11 James 4 verse 11 New King James do not speak evil of one another brethren he who speaks evil of a brother and judges so to speak evil in the text is not synonymous with judge because he places and he distinguishes. He says he who speaks evil of his brother and judges. He didn't say he who judges and judges he who speaks evil. So speaking evil means one thing and judging here in the text means one thing. Okay. So to speak evil, he is saying, do not malign your brother. Do not malign your brother. Don't slander or defame your brother. That's what James is saying. And so James is not in contradiction with Jesus. He's not in contradiction with what we read in Romans. But James is saying, do not slander. Do not defame one another. Because he who defames, he who slanders his brother and judges and judge here does not mean assess, form an opinion to discern or distinguish. Judge here means to condemn, means to inflict punishment. He says, don't inflict punishment upon your brother when you are in error of your assessment, because what you're stating obviously is not, is not true because you are guilty of maligning them. You're guilty of slandering them. You're guilty of defaming them. Hmm? So we don't see contradiction with 
what we read in Matthew 7. We don't see contradiction with what we read in Romans 2, nor do we see it in what we just read with James 4. Now, let's talk about, I mentioned this earlier on, righteous judgment. Let's see what John says about righteous judgment. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So again, I am debunking the myth and the lie that we are not to judge, that Christians are not to judge each other, that we are not to judge people in general. No, that's not true. That's culture. That's secularism. That's your pastor who's culturally modified and not teaching the Bible. If it's coming across the pulpit that we are not to judge and we are just to love everybody and love one another. Yes, we are to love one another. However, we have the responsibility depending. Well, let me say this. We have the responsibility as the ecclesia, as the elect of God, as the bride of Christ to judge the house of God. And we're going to close here in a few moments with me clarifying that statement. We have that right. So when people ask me, especially Christians, those who are supposedly of the household of faith, well, Johnson, who are you to judge? My response to them, one, I'm a prophet. That's a part of my, my, my job description. Okay. That's a part of my mantle. That's a part of my responsibility and duty as a prophet of God to judge within the house of God because prophets are God's legal team. We're God's lawyers, but now righteous judgment. John is not, John does not tell us we are not to judge. He says how we're not to judge, not that we aren't supposed to judge. He is giving criteria for how to judge. Did you catch that? John is not saying in John 7, 24, he says, do not judge according to appearance. Appearance, superficially, arrogantly, don't judge, don't solely assess according to the surface, according to what you see, according to your arrogance, according to pride. No, he says you are to judge according to righteous judgment. Judge, make an assessment according to the right Standards or the right measurements, which are provided and given by who God by way of his word, by way of the scriptures. That's how we ought to judge as Christians in every circumstance, every situation. We ought to judge righteously. We ought to judge according to the right measurements, the right standards of eternity. We are to judge, assess, make a decision, distinguish make diagnosis based upon the metrics, the measurements of eternity. Now, this is necessary. This is significant. This is important because of what we are facing even now in our world, in our society, in our country, as it pertains to abortion, as it pertains to the presidential election. Many people are going to go out here next year and vote superficially you're going to judge according to appearance as it pertains to the presidential candidate and when we don't judge righteously we mess up galatians 1 6 to 10 
I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, different gospel, which is not another. There's not another gospel other than what Jesus preached, the apostles preached. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Verse eight. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. Verse 10, for do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Prophet, why did you read that? I read that because the only way, the only way for us to operate in the admonishment of the Galatian writer here as it pertains to being presented with another gospel, you have to have the ability to judge. So are you seeing the benefit of being able to properly judge, assess, and discern. You won't be able to differentiate between false gospel, doctrines of devils, if you lack the understanding of truth and you therefore aren't able to rightly judge. You have to have knowledge of eternity's metrics in order to utilize it and to appropriate it so that you can rightly divide the word so that you can make a distinction between that's false. That's philosophy. That's man's ideology. That's your truth, but that's not, that's not God's truth. That's not eternity's truth. See many of us, we lack judgment. We lack the ability to make decisions wisely because we don't have the capacity of sagacious wisdom. We don't have the wisdom of God. You have the wisdom of men. You have foolishness bound up in your heart, but the wisdom of God, the sagacious wisdom of God that only comes through not just ingesting, but digesting the word and allowing the word of God to cellulate in you and becoming the biotics of Jesus Christ, being conformed to his word that builds the capacity in you to rightly judge. Functioning without judging is detrimental. Put that in your notes. Functioning without judgment is detrimental. First John four, one through three. Okay. First John four. Y'all write that down. First John four, one through three. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Well, how can you test the spirits to see if they're of God without judging? Are you seeing this? How can you test the spirit to see if it's of God without assessing? You 
can't judge the spirit if you don't possess the ability to distinguish between the spirit of Satan and the spirit of God. Verse two, by this, you know, the spirit of God for every spirit that confess that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Well, in order for you to be able to differentiate and to distinguish between the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist, you have to be able to rightly judge. Second, John one, nine through 10. Oh, today you're getting scripture today. That's right. You're getting scripture today. I have nothing for you today. Well, I never have anything for you other than the Bible. Second, John one, nine through 10. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the father and the son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. Well, how will you be able to determine whether or not they are bringing you the doctrine of Christ? You have to have the ability to judge. So away with this myth. We are not to judge. Who are we to judge? Only God can judge me. No. God will judge you ultimately and in the end. But he's not the only one. There are persons of authority. There are uh, persons. There are persons of authority. There are offices within the threefold and the fivefold that have been established, that have been placed in the church in the kingdom of God for the purpose of judging. Now I close with this, the coup de gras. And I may have not, I may have mispronounced it. Uh, <laughs> the grand finale, first Corinthians chapter five, verses nine through 13. Because again, I am busting this myth that we have no right to judge. It's not true. And Paul in first Corinthians five, nine, again, criteria, criteria. There's criteria. There is criteria. There's criteria. And so those who have been placed in position of authority within the kingdom, within the government of God. Okay. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, First Corinthians 12, 27, 28, and then the fivefold Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the perfecting. Listen to first Corinthians five, verse nine. I wrote to you in my epistle. This is amplified not to keep company with sexual immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or adulterers, since then you would need to go out of the world. Oh, that's a powerful statement. In other words, Paul is saying in my instruction for you, in my instructions for you not to keep company with sexually immoral people, he says, I wasn't talking about the sexually immoral in the world, the unsaved, the unregenerated. I'm talking about the sexually immoral in the church. He says, because if I was talking about the unsaved, then the only way for you not 
to be in their company is to leave the world because the world is filled of sinners. Such were some of us. If it had not been for Christ, verse 11, but now I have written to you not to keep company with any one named a brother. So he's talking about quote unquote Christians who is sexually immoral or covetous or an adulterer or a rivaler or a drunkard. Oh, I'm cussing. So for you adulterers, for you rivalers, that means you people who are always keeping up trouble. You drunkards, you drinking Christians talking about Jesus drank. No, he didn't. And we'll do a podcast on that to help deliver you drunken drinking saints or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. He said, don't even eat with them. Don't even have lunch with them. Don't break bread with them. And he's talking about in the church. So we have responsibility to judge within the church. We have the responsibility to condemn because etymologically condemn is to inflict punishment, inflict penalty. So we have the responsibility. When I say we, I'm talking about God's officials. I'm not talking about you laity and, and you're, you, you, you're not backed by the institution. I'm not, I'm not talking about you who are not in position. I'm talking about the apostle, the prophet. I'm talking about the, the teacher. I'm talking about those whom have governmental authority in the kingdom of God, pastors and senior leaders. Okay. I'm not talking about you laity. I'm not talking about you ushers outside of your jurisdiction. Because if you're the president over the usher board, then you have that right to keep the ushers in line. All right. Verse 12, for what have I to do with judging? Listen to this. Listen to this. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Paul says those who are outside of the church, those in other words, outside of Christ. Let me use the Christ versus church, those who are outside of Christ. He says, we don't judge them. Catch this. We don't condemn them. We don't inflict penalty or punishment upon them because they're already punished. All of us enter into the world already condemned. Christ gets us out of condemnation. He says, so there's no need for the church to judge the world or judge sinners because sinners, the world, they're already judge. He says, do you not judge those who are inside? We ought to judge, keep order, ensure that there is structure, um, repel the, the, and dispel the mayhem and the confusion that we are unfortunately seeing all up and through the church of today. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Paul says, don't keep company. Paul says, don't eat with them. Paul says, put them out. Put them out. Put them out. And so we have to, as Christians, as God's elect, we have to ensure that we are that, that our point of view, let me say it this way, we must ensure that our point of view and our perspective aligns with God's. John 3, 18, last scripture, he who believes in him is not condemned. This connects with 1 Corinthians 5. He who believes in Christ is not condemned. You won't be punished eternally 
because you have been crucified with Christ. Hence, you now live and the life you live, you live through Christ and by Christ. But he who does not believe is condemned already. The sinner is condemned already. That's why Paul said we don't judge outside of the church because or outside of Christianity or outside of Christ, because those outside of Christ are already condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. So. As the elect of God, who are we to judge? We are a whole lot to judge. Well, I want to encourage you to share this podcast with all that, you know, those whom have made this statement boldly and fiercely. Don't judge me. Who are you to judge? Gift them this podcast. Tell them to subscribe to a biblical perspective with prophet C.T. Johnson and listen particularly to this podcast. If you're not following me, follow me on Instagram, the new Instagram handle, same account, different handle, Prophet CT underscore Johnson. Also, I want you to like and subscribe, uh, rate rather. I want you to rate the podcast and subscribe. Would you all do that for me? We have listeners from all over the world, literally from Singapore, from Japan, from Ukraine, of course, United States. We have we are in over 40 countries. A biblical perspective podcast is heard in over 40 countries. And I'm asking you gift this to yours truly prophecy T go and rate the podcast and subscribe. It helps with our algorithm, bringing us from the background to the forefront. All right. I want you to partner with me. You can do that by going to ctjohnson.org. Find out all that there is to know about me and how you can partner with me here. And I look forward to our next episode as we go deeper in understanding God's perspective on a myriad of subjects. I love you. Be empowered. Greetings. I'm Prophet C.T. Johnson, and I trust that you're having an empowering day. I wanted to take a moment to invite you to purchase my brand new book, Empower Your Thinking, Volume 1, Quotes to Shift Consciousness, Provoke Thought, and Increase Understanding. This isn't just another book of inspirational and encouraging quotes. This book will challenge you to think critically and expand your consciousness beyond superficial and cultural comprehension of how you view yourself. Remember, a changed life is the consequence of an empowered mind. So in this book, prepare to transition your consciousness to that of a winner and conqueror to become a person empowered to empower. Go to my website, ctjohnson.org, or go to amazon.com and purchase your copy of my brand new book, Empower Your Thinking, Volume 1, Quotes to Shift Consciousness, Provoke Thought, and increase understanding. I promise you, this book will empower your thinking. Go to the website, ctjohnson.org or amazon.com and purchase your copy. 
today. Thanks for listening to a Biblical Perspective podcast. If today's episode empowered you, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast at cpnshows.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. For more information about C.T. Johnson Ministries International, visit the website at ctjohnson.org or text Empower Me, all lowercase, no spaces, to 54244 to stay in the know. And connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at C.T. Johnson Ministries. Tune in next time as I continue to empower your thinking from God's perspective.